0: You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Today's episode is hopefully going to inspire, encourage, and light a fire in you to know who you are outside of what you do. So if you are a person who struggles with knowing your identity and worth outside of your career, if you feel worthless because no one buys from you, or if a launch didn't go as successfully as you hoped, and you just struggle with having a firm identity in who you are, today's episode is for you. We had the absolute honor of chatting with Zim Flores. Named a leader using her voice and talent to elevate humanity by Oprah Winfrey, Zim is the founder of Italicist, an online styling service that helps women discover modest clothing they love without the time commitment. And previously, she was the CEO of Travel Noir, a boutique travel company reaching millions of travelers each month. In 2017, she sold the company to Pursue Christ. A serial entrepreneur, Zim is a Forbes 30 Under 30 awardee who has been featured in the New York Times, Elle, Glamour, Time, and NPR, among so many others, She often writes in faraway places and lives with her husband in Illinois. Now, in today's episode, Zim talks about her story of not feeling like she belonged growing up, feeling hardship as a child to a sudden drastic shift of wildly extreme success— how she navigated and found her identity and who God said she is amidst insane success, why she gave up a wildly successful business even though everyone around her told her not to and why it was the best decision she could have made and honestly, lots more things like how to be a believer and a business owner, how to have big goals and desires as a Christian, and so much more. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Like she, it just blew our minds in every way. Zim has so much goodness to share. And I promise after listening to this, you're gonna wanna be best friends with this girl. She has a way of speaking in such a way that you're gonna feel the presence of God and his peace. I know I did after the interview is over. I know this episode is just gonna bless you so much. So without further ado and more chit chat, let's hear from Zim Flores.
2: Then buckle up because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay.
1: All right, Zim, welcome on to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am so excited for today's conversation. Thank you so much for being here and giving us some of your time. Oh, of
2: course. It is such an honor. Happy to be oh here. Oh, my gosh. It's going to uh, be we're so fun.
1: Pump. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for any one of our listeners who might be listening to this right now and thinking, okay, who the heck is this girl? Who are we talking to today? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of the story of how you got to where you are today? Like, how did your journey go from, I don't know, life to serial entrepreneur to author? Like, big progression. So you yeah. give us like a synopsis view. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. So I always say that my story doesn't just start with me. I don't think anybody's story just starts with them. So it starts for me, um, with my grandmother. Um, so my family is Nigerian, um, and she grew up and was widowed, um, in the sixties during the Biafran war. So she had to raise all of her children alone. She was a hustler. She was an entrepreneur. She got it done. And my mom grew up in that same kind of environment and um ended up in an arranged marriage with my father actually um and found her way to Minnesota, which was you know the dead of winter uh, in nineteen eighty and the relationship that my mother and father had was an abusive one and so in the early nineties, I was like one and a half uh, or so. My mom left my father. It was kind of like one of those like middle of the night disappear types of things. He was on a business trip in Nigeria. She packed my brother and I up and we left and went to California. It's my first time cross country. We were on a greyhound. It was like a whole thing. And so my entire upbringing for the most part was really characterized by exploring and um, trying to find my sense of place. I grew up in Minnesota. So we eventually made our way back and I was in a community of people that didn't look like me. Um, And so there was this kind of experience that I had where I had to become comfortable with being different because there wasn't anybody who who looked like me, there wasn't anybody who thought like me, who acted like me. And so I became this kind of uh, novelty, if you will, when I was growing up in Minnesota. And then I moved down to North Carolina. My mom was a nurse um, and, ended up being around people who did look like me, but I still wasn't accepted because I um, came from an African background. And back in the day, being African uh, or from the continent just was not cool. Um, And so those those two types of experience really shaped my upbringing and how I saw myself in the world. Um, I went to college and one of the first things that I did was I cloned a gene. I was 19, I think. 19 wow. at the time. And I had cloned this gene, and it had similarities to this genetic disorder. And I tra- <laughs> I traveled the, the U.S. during my first few years in college, sharing my research and what I had done. Um, I was um, the youngest precinct judge for the state of North Carolina. I was also 19 Whoa. years old. So wow. I had all wow. these like really unique kinds of experiences that were all rooted in this idea of really embracing difference or being different and not allowing somebody's idea of who I should be or what I should do d- to dictate, you know, how I decided to to live. Um, after I left college, I told, you know, myself that I had, you know, I traveled and I'd organized churches in, in San Francisco and I was working in, in D.C. and I wanted to, to move abroad. So I sold everything that I owned after I graduated college and I moved to India. I had never had Indian food before. I didn't speak the language. I, so it was it was it was a unique kind of experience. And I lived there and I worked there and it was wow. um, it was a game changer. The company, my travel company that I started would not have existed had it not been for the time that I spent um, overseas. And so I came back broke, I had no money. I was staying with my mom who wanted me to become a nurse um, or a doctor or something in the medical field. And I was like, love you, mom, but no. (laughs) So I I had a couple hundred bucks in my account. I took a Greyhound to San Francisco. I crashed on a couch for six months. I had four jobs, I did all the things and ended up launching Travel Noir from my bedroom um, in 2013. And that was uh, an experience that changed my life. I had never started a company company before. I, for the most part, didn't know what I was doing. But (laughs) I I had this desire to tell a story about a person who looked like me, who could travel to all of these different places and still feel like they were home. And so that kind of started everything. We grew Travel Noir to reach millions of travelers each month. We hosted about 60 small group experiences across five different continents. And the ethos behind those was that you didn't travel to see things, you traveled to meet people. And Mm -hmm. so how could we take the, I'm going to go see the monument out of the travel experience entirely and introduce tension in a way that provides a transformational experience. So um, ended up selling Travel Noir in 2017 because it was something that I felt like God was telling me to do which was very, um, I guess, antithetical to what most people thought, which was, if you have a successful business, you should keep it. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had this desire to really please God in in all that I did. And it meant that I would get comfortable with not being known as a travel girl. I wanted to be known as God's girl. And so it took that sacrifice in order to really step into I believe all that God was calling me to do and be um and so that's like i feel like that's like 30 years condensed into like a few minutes but that's <laughs> that's that's TN and then i um you know started another uh, another couple of businesses with my husband there was a podcast that i was on and the pastor said you know you gave up this business and God gave you an empire and it reminds mm-hmm. me that Oftentimes when we think that we're giving something up, we think that that's the end of the line. Mm. But the reality is, is that God has so much greater for us if we just give up that thing. And so it's just been a beautiful testament to his promise over my life at the moment when I was thinking about giving this company up. And, um, and yeah, so that's, that's like a little long bit (laughs) of my
0: story. Uh, I, Okay, we we're we like seven minutes in and I'm like, we could be done. We're not done anywhere near. But I'm like, I feel like you just served us like truth. You served yeah. us value. But also I have like 5 million questions based on what you just said. And I don't want this to be like four hours to take up all your time. Oh my like, okay. my awesome. first thought, which is like the least probably like relevant to like the impact of your story, but I was like, how do you clone a gene? Or like (laughs) Like whatever you said at the beginning, like what? But Um, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Oh, Um. no, it's
2: it's all good. There, you know, I had walked into this lab when I was a freshman. I was, you know, obviously very curious and I ended up working with this guy, Dr. Lajeunesse, amazing, amazing, amazing scientist. We were crushing fruit flies all day. And so there was a, there was um There was a stomach, uh, like a stomach cell that we would utilize, um, and it had similarities to the heart muscle. And so, like there was like all of these like different things. We were crushing flies, we were putting them in centrifuges, we were doing all of the things. But it was, um, it was such an interesting part of my life. I was a part of that lab for four years, and I knew at the end of it, I was like, "This is great," but I don't think I want to be in a white coat for the rest of my life. So I'm just gonna. Take this experience and just act, like see if I can apply it to other parts of my life. But yeah, uh, it was definitely
0: a journey for sure. I feel wow. like God was like, "I have some bigger things for you." No, yeah, that that's you know. not big to all the scientists yeah. listening. But <laughs> <laughs> another part that you said, I love what you said about how God. You felt like God told you to give up travel noir, which is so countercultural to what people think about success, and especially as entrepreneurs. And yeah. so I, I know that your relationship with God just plays a huge part of your book and honestly your story. And I would love to know, well, I'm sure Evie also would love to know, I'm the one saying this, but, uh, (laughs) and I'm sure our listeners would love to know, what is your testimony? And like, how did you get God in your life to even get to that place of being like, God, I think you want me to give up this company?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there is a scripture in the book of Jonah Um, and I don't remember the exact scripture, but um, it's in the book of Jonah. And it says that the Lord appointed a fish and that fish was the fish that swallowed Jonah. And I think about my life and circumstances that happened to bring that entire situation to a head, right? So a lot of times life will be going good. Life is great. Everything is, you know, popping, whatever. And there is a scenario or a situation that all of a sudden feels like it came out of nowhere, but God orchestrates these circumstances in our lives to kind of force our pause. And so it's kind of like a, it's a really interesting thing that happened during the summer of 2017. So my boyfriend at the time, now husband decided that we were going to take a break And I was like, okay, that's cool. Not really cool, but okay, (laughs) you say so, we're going to take a break. But we really wanted to consecrate ourselves to the Lord and figure out if moving forward was like the next step together. And so at the time he was like, I would go to him for everything. I would talk to him about everything. And so we took this break and I think it was at the end of June or the beginning of July. I can't remember Exactly. And then my business went on to, normally we had, we ran our launches like clockwork. They always did extremely well, always. Well, this one good old time, it didn't go well at all. Like it was oh, no. a business shifting, terrible launch. And it was like thing after thing, after thing, after thing, after thing. And I couldn't call my boyfriend and say, hey, you know, like, what do you, what do you think about this thing? What do you think? It literally was a circumstance or a series of circumstances that brought me to my knees. And it was wow. to a point where I didn't even want to talk to anybody. I wanted to rely on what it is that God wanted me to do. I wanted him to download some kind of strategy for me to be able to move forward. And it, it took weeks, weeks of isolation and weeks of really trying to figure out um, what it was that God uh, was asking me to do. But it first started with a decision that I made. Okay, God, I will give this thing to you if, if it's the thing that you want, if it is what is hindering me from moving forward, there is a scripture in the book of John, John chapter fifteen that talks about God being the true vine, and that he doesn't prune things um, or that he will prune things so that they may grow more abundantly. And so I think about travel noir as being a thing that wasn't necessarily inherently bad, right? but It was something that needed to be pruned in order for me to be able to grow more abundantly. And so those were the the circumstances that kind of um, led to selling the company. And then even after that, there was a (laughs) there was a long period of pruning that had to happen. I stayed with the company for 18 months and everything changed. Everything changed. And I think about the story of Rahab, who was the one person that was saved in the book of, uh, or in, in Jericho, um, and the book of Joshua. And she, it's, it's funny because before she was able to be integrated into the tribe of Israel, they placed her outside of the camp. Right. Mm -hmm. So the town is destroyed. Jericho is dead, like rubble basically. And here is Rahab and her family. They're like, okay, you know, you spared our lives. Great. Now we can like walk to you to like, we can walk with you to this day. Not so fast. They had to be placed outside of the camp of Israel, and I, and in in my own mind, I'm like, okay, why was that? Rahab was a Canaanite. They had all of the things that they were worshiping, that you know, in Jericho. And so, in my mind, I'm thinking, is it that God needed to prune her and remove all of those things out of her life, all of those icky things, all of the gods that she worshipped, all of the mentality that she had? So that when she did integrate with the with the tribe of Israel, she was one of them. And the Bible says that she walked with them till this day. And so I think about those 18 months where I was like, yo, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But God needed to prune me in order to be able to bring me into the thing that he had called me to do. I had to get all of those things removed from my life. And so that is... That is my testimony as it relates to giving up something that the world has deemed so successful, but that God was like, hold on, I've got more.
1: Mm. Mm. Literally, I started crying oh. earlier when, when you said, and like again now, gosh, when you said, like, I don't want to be known as a successful girl. I want to be known as God's girl. I literally exactly. was like... Tears. Oh. Like, that's just so, so good and so powerful. And your heart is just incredible. I'm like, we're, I feel like barely started on this interview, and I'm already like, yes, let's talk all day. I have, I'll clear my calendar. Let's keep going. Uh, okay. Well, let's kind of talk maybe because I know there are places where people can learn more and more from you other than this podcast, like your book. So, your book is titled Dare to Bloom. Yeah. Can you kind of expand on that and what that yeah. title means to you and like your story with that and all of that? Yeah, 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 sure. So, um, so Dare to Bloom was, you
2: know, it's, I had thought to myself, you know, I, I, I think I can write a book God, I think that there is some purpose in this pain that you, that you like, that you put me into. And I started writing the book. I took myself on a retreat um, and I started writing the book, but I, I kind of felt like I was forcing my own hand. So I put it down, I put the book down. And I was in a coffee shop one day and I was asking God, I think I was saying something along the lines of like, Lord, let me know if I'm on the right path. Cause I feel like I am like swimming. I'm not sure if this is the direction that I'm supposed to go in. And I got an email from a woman who was an acquisitions editor at HarperCollins. And she said, Hey. And it was, it wasn't even an email that I normally check. It was like some like random, uh, it was, it was an email that, you know how you have like those emails mm-hmm. when you were younger and you just happen to keep them around, like right. the, like your spam email, you know? Yeah. So it was in like one of those emails and the conversation then began, um, around writing this book about this painful experience. And I had asked her how she found me. And she said, I put all of my authors on a prayer list. And when I feel like the Lord lets me move forward then i move forward and i felt like this was time and so it was wow. it was it was a confirmation for what i had even been thinking about the previous fall when i took my own writing the re- writing retreat but decided to put it down because i felt like i was forcing my own hand um and so dare to bloom is 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 about identity um it's about remembering who god says you are even when the thing that you define yourself by is no longer there, right? Like how many times have we moved to a new city and we're like, yo, I don't feel like myself
0: mm-hmm. because
2: we've, we've attached our identity to a place. Yeah. We've attached our identity to a person. We've attached our identity to a job. Mm-hmm. And those <clears throat> things are always meant to change. New York was not New York. I mean, it was still New York, but 20 years ago, 50 years ago, it was a different kind of New York, Yeah. right? Jobs change, like are there still milkmen, right? Like things are destined to change. And if we tie our identities to those things, then we are bound to be kind of swaying with with those particular changes. And so when it came to selling Travel Noir, Travel Noir was my identity. It's how I rooted myself and my success and my importance in the world. Mm -hmm. And when Travel Noir was no longer there, it was like, okay, so who am I? I'm supposed to be the successful entrepreneur. I don't have a company. I'm yeah. supposed to be, you know, the leader over these people. But my entire team left before the acquisition. Like there are all of these different things where I was like, I, I don't know who I am. And so that 18 out, that 18 month journey was where God not only pruned those things out of my life, but he life, but he reminded me. Of who I was and, and who I belonged to. And so, Dare to Bloom is this kind of charge for all of us. The enemy will try and remind us of who we were and how good our last, you know, last success was, or that our last success cannot be as big or as good as our future success. Mm-hmm. And so, it's really saying, you know what? Despite how I feel, despite having this thing no longer with me, despite not being in this city, despite not being at this job anymore that defined me, that defined who I was, I am going to dare to bloom where, God, you've placed me. I am daring to say, you know what, God, I'm going to stand upright because I know that you care for me and I know that you cover me and I know that my identity is always safe with you. I'm going to dare to believe that you are who you say that you are and that nothing that I do, nothing that I've done, nothing that I will do will take away the fact that I am yours and that you are mine. And so that is the the story or the meaning behind the, the, the title of Dare to Bloom and why I think it's such an important message for now. I think especially in the pandemic, because I was like, yo, I don't even know if I should be launching this book in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, <laughs> there's so much stuff happening. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The world has told us over and over and over again, what to look at, what to be afraid of, yeah. who like who matters to us, who doesn't matter to us. It's told us all of those things. And so I felt like last year, I mean, we had a December launch and it had stayed the same. And I felt like it was the perfect time for the book, to be reminded that we are gods, yeah. period. Mm. And the more that we find ourselves in the news, the more that we find ourselves in the opinion of others, the yeah. more that we find ourselves on social media, the more we start to believe what they say over what God says. Yeah. And so it's, it's basically this like long love letter <laughs> to you, who, who's listening? It's this long love letter that reminds you to go back to your first love because God has something for you. He has something for all of us.
0: Oh. <laughs> we just, we literally just did the same gasp of like, oh, <laughs> it's like, don't mind me over here crying <laughs> all, all day. Zim, you are so inspiring. Can I just say, like, oh, for someone oh, who's like, especially so successful like on paper you don't attribute your I mean you're also successful not on paper but like when you look at your (laughs) accolades like you would think someone be like oh my gosh how did you do it and like focusing on all of that and be like oh I'm so awesome but just your spirit of who you are and your focus of putting that attention on your identity in Christ and knowing that you are a daughter of the King, like that is just so powerful. And you can just feel it in your voice. I can see it in your face right now. Like (laughs) it's so, it's so powerful. And I think especially a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and wanting to start a creative business. And especially for everyone, every business owner listening, I think it can be so easy to get your identity wrapped up in what you do. Like, I do it all the time. Like, I fall into yeah. that hole of, like, thinking, like, oh, like, if I weren't a photographer or a business owner or a mentee or, or not a mentee, right. a mentor or a coach, like, I wouldn't be Lindsay Roman. And it's like, no, like, I'm Lindsay Roman because God made me Lindsay Roman. Right. And I, I guess you kind of answered this next question with what you just said. So I'm going to kind of switch it. Basically, the question was, like, you've had a s- insane success from a young age in your career, like from founding your company to, well, you didn't actually talk about, we we know that you started, I, I think it's called Italysys. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then being the founder and former CEO of Travel Noir, like you talked about, and being featured, you've been featured in Forbes, 30 Under 30, and literally I could go on. But the question was, mm-hmm. how did all that success affect how you viewed your identity? And I feel like you kind of answered that. You, you Obviously, you feel free to like add anything to that. But I guess my... My side question to that is like, when you're in the thick of like entrepreneurship and like, how do you almost register if you're finding your success or sorry, if you're finding your identity in your success? Yeah. Like, do you have like a wake up yeah. call moment? Um, so I think that
2: in, as, in, as any entrepreneur, especially in the creative business where you are, you are your brand, right? Mm, you're yeah. your brand. So, if you are launching a program that is tied to you, that is tied to what you do, if that launch is unsuccessful, then you're like, okay, so my launch is unsuccessful. My face is plastered all over it. My right. insults, like everything that I am is poured out on these pages, and people didn't want to buy. Yeah. Does that mean that there's something wrong with me? Does that mean that there was something wrong with like? Does somebody just not like me? It's a it's a perverted way of viewing business because we revolve people's kind of taste and, and what they're looking for with acceptance of ourselves mm-hmm. when that's not necessarily the case, right? If somebody goes to Apple and they're like, yo, I didn't like that phone, so I didn't get it, you know, Tim Cook is not going to be like, well... <laughs> Darn, I like think that that was that's a knock to my character, and so I think mm-hmm. that we do we we tend to do the same thing, and so I found, yeah, if we had a bad launch, I felt like I did something wrong. I mean, technically, like if there's you know th- there's something that didn't connect, obviously, when you do a launch and it doesn't go well, but it shouldn't feel like an attack on your yeah. character and yeah. not an attack on who you are. Yeah, and so I, I've been much more mindful. And it, it means that I have to step back and pray. And I have to ask God to remove the, the blinders over my eyes that are, that are, or the, the voices that are whispering that are telling me, Hey, if somebody doesn't like this thing, it's because of you. Mm-hmm. It's because you, you know, it's because they don't like your character or they don't like, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I have to separate myself from my business. Who I am is not what I do. And I think in this generation, people are starting to merge the two. It's why in the U.S. you go into any conversation and the first thing that somebody asks you is, what do you do for a living? Yeah. If you go to some other parts of the world, they, they just I don't even know how they start their conversations. But I was in I was in the Netherlands one time and somebody thought it so strange that I asked them what they did. They were like, it's yeah. Saturday. What? We're at a cookout like that. We're cooking. That's what wow. we're That's what we're doing. And so I think that we, America has this crisis of placing their identity in their work Mm -hmm. and not in the worth that God has given each of us. Um, and so, so yeah, that's kind of how I think about how, uh, tying our own personality are the way that God has created us to the things that we actually create, create. It's a perverted way to view business. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm guilty of it, and I have to constantly ask God to search my heart. I have to constantly repent for making my business all about me,
0: Yeah, you know? We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show.
1: We were able to try it ourselves for a bit, and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs, and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview, and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire.
0: Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling—video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start,
1: we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services.
0: So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online
1: resource shop, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add
0: was contract templates. We've seen the horror stories, we've been in sticky situations ourselves when we first started our businesses, and honestly, we know the value that comes from having a rock-solid contract in place in your business. Honestly, you just sleep better, you avoid sticky situations, and you present a professional experience to your clients. Contracts all around are lifelines when it comes to running a successful business. So true. So we partnered with
1: Paige Griffith of The Legal Page to provide you with a curated list of her contract templates in our shop. Paige is one of the best in the biz when it comes to having foolproof contracts that cover everything you need within your photography business.
0: You can snag her contracts in our shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation or rescheduling bundle contract, session contract, second shooter contract, associate photographer contract, and honestly, so much more. <laughs> Just head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop and use code HEARTU for 10% off when checking out with any of the contracts. That's the Heart University dot com forward slash shop and use code heart you for 10% off time to cover your butt and get your business legally legit. It's so so easy
1: though, when you're like, when you are a personal brand and you're like, well, I am my business in one sense. And so therefore my business is me, but it's, it's so hard to, to kind of pull out those like You know the the surgeon's knife and be like, okay, like this is this is my business and this is me and my business. Like it's it takes effort and that's I think the thing that I'm kind of hearing even from all three of us sitting here as like Christian entrepreneurs. Like all of us are like, yeah, it's it's a a regular thing that we have to be aware of and be willing to like reach for God's surgeon knife in His hand and be like, okay, like come come, do a little surgery on my heart because yeah. like they've gotten intertwined again. And I, at least from my perspective, like if anyone's listening to this, I just want to say, I think that's a normal part of the process when you're especially in a creative, like personal brand. It's easy for them to become intertwined. I, I still struggle with it. I know Lindsay's nodding, like Zim's nodding. Like it's a thing that it can get so twisted and it's okay. But being willing to like, separate the two and being aware that your worth doesn't come from your work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think about Solomon who was the wisest King, right? He asked God for wisdom, God Mm -hmm. granted him wisdom. And as a, as an aside, God also said, I'll give you money. I'll give you all of these different things. And I think about how Solomon's life ended. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. about how so often we let the pride of saying, you know what, I I'm I'm good at being me. Obviously, mm. I'm me. I'm good at being yeah. me. I'm good at packaging me. I'm good at all of these things. The Bible also says that pride goes before fall. Yeah, and so I think that we have to constantly, constantly, constantly be seeking God. Yeah, um, in matters of our business, especially since our businesses are so tied and yeah. interconnected with who we are. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: That's so good. Okay. I want to hear, Zim, from you, just your perspective as a believer, but also an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, a woman in the marketplace. How do you find your faith kind of handles like your desires for things in your life whether that's yeah. you know things in your business or you know things in your personal life like financial security or you know whatever that looks like kind of those those two like one in god's will for your life but then also sitting there being like I want a successful launch I want yeah. you know, these numbers in this launch is that something that for you is just so hand in hand with god is that something that is like a tug of war sometimes between you know, these desires, I don't know, just kind of talk maybe a little bit about that whole, like God's will for us, but also, you know, other dreams and goals. Do they go hand in hand or are they separate or? Yeah. Yeah. So there's
2: actually a scripture that I'm thinking about. I can't find it off the top of my head, but it is about Solomon. Uh, And I talked, I mentioned this a little bit earlier about how he asked for wisdom to manage and take care of God's people. Mm -hmm. He asked for one thing. He asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for money. He didn't yeah. ask for fame. He didn't ask for treasures. He didn't ask for good health. He didn't ask for anything. Yep. He asked for wisdom to handle God's people.
1: Yeah. And
2: God said, I will grant you wisdom and I will also grant you success. I will also grant you money. I will also grant you all of these things. Yeah. So it reminds me of, so if we're going to God and we're saying, God, I'm in the marketplace. I know that you've called me here. I know that you've called me to own a business. I've known, I know that you've called me to do things. Give me wisdom first. Yeah. And I know that all of the other things will be added unto us. The Bible says it. This is what you have told me, God. And so I think if we go into business single-minded, yeah. not in the way that we're thinking about, God, I need more money. If you are aligned with whatever it is that God is calling you to do,
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: you are a servant unto him, God will grant you all of those, all of the other things. And it will be a byproduct of the thing that you have asked God for. But don't let your first conversation with God, my friend Tiffany always says, don't let your first conversation with God be about money and strategy and all of these things about your business when you have not first come to him, one, with a heart of repentance and two with a desire to do good by his people. Yeah. Um and so it, it's it seems like it's a conflicting thing, but in reality, if you have wisdom, the Bible says that there are so many benefits yeah. to having wisdom. Like mm. period. There's yeah. like so many benefits to having wisdom yeah. that if that is the only thing that you ask for, you're already rich. Yeah. You're already Ugh.
1: rich.
0: That's Oof. that's so good. I feel like I needed that reminder because I always like I forget sometimes when I'm in like the strategy of things to be like, okay, let's like do this. Like, let's do this. And to back up and be like, God, what do you have for this company or for even just this launch or this as simple as like this post on Instagram, like even going down to the minute things, not just like the big scale of like, oh, I'm writing a book. What do you want for it? But like, like I'm writing a blog post. How can I touch people in this blog post? Even if it's not like a spiritual blog post. Like maybe I'm just giving someone practical tips. Yeah. Um, but how can I, I love what you said of like, how can I, I can't remember exactly what you said. You like touch my people or. Oh, give, people. Wisdom,
2: give me wisdom to, to manage, to manage mm. the people that you've given me. Yeah. Yes.
0: Like how can I use where you've put me in life, the people that you've put in front of me and yeah. the business that you've given me that I've grown Mm -hmm. because of you. How can I use that to your glory? And I think that's so important. And I honestly think the more that we're like walking with the Lord, I think those natural business decisions, like especially when you're asking for wisdom, like that naturally goes in the direction if you're in tune with God and like asking him and praying, like that's going to be a blessing. Like he's going to give you a reward for that. So I love everything that
1: you just said. Yeah, <laughs> I think when you were talking, Zim, I was just reminded of uh, Psalm 37, 4, that just says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. And it, this whole conversation to me, just like that scripture is just top of mind always in like my life and in my business, but especially like yeah. in this conversation, just because delighting in the Lord comes first. And I right. think a lot of people... I've heard like people talk about this or, you know, people discuss the scripture and they'll say stuff like, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and then you get everything that you want. And it's like, no, when you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires change and they become those of God's and they become aligned with the heart of the Father. And then everything flows. And it's just, it's that, you know, that surrender to whatever God wants. And when you spend time with the Lord in His presence, you change. You're not the yeah, same yeah. when you encounter God in that way. And yeah. that, you know, that hunger for money, that greed, that that pride, that anxiety, that, you know, those earthly things that are attached to us fall off in His presence. Right. And then yeah. it's stripped down to the the pure heart of a servant of the Lord and the desires that come out of that, like okay. are, are pure. And so for me, <laughs> as a believer in the marketplace, I, you know, I love financial success or freedom because my heart for that is to impact the world around me, to be a generous giver who is able yeah. to pour in and sow in and fund God's work on earth. You know, things like that, where I'm so not perfect I'm not trying to put myself as like prime example here, but I think that's where like it, it comes when I notice like, I'm like, Oh this i want this numerical goal i want this financial you know like this money 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 i'm like oh hold up that's you know i'm i'm out of order here i'm looking for my desires before i delight myself in the lord and there's right. there's some little weeds growing up in my garden here that i have to pick out you know so <laughs> i don't i don't know that's just the scripture that comes to mind for me of like that order of things makes it so beautiful so pure and so like powerful
2: yeah you know delight in Hebrew, and I was just like pulling up my tablet. <laughs> it means to be soft, delicate, and dainty. Mm. So when we think when we think about delighting in the Lord, it it also means allowing Him to mold to mold and shape us. Mm. We are soft and dainty and pliable in His hands, which means. It is not always gonna feel good, right? Yeah. God is gonna ask you to give up some stuff, He's gonna ask you to do it, to sacrifice some things, but yep. that's what it means to be pliable. If he is yeah. the maker, we are the clay. Mm. And so I think that you know that that scripture is is spot on when he talks about giving you the desires of your heart. Um the word give in Hebrew means to give, to put, or to set. And if you think about, I don't know if y'all have ever taken a cl- like a pottery class, but you know, after you mold the pot, mm-hmm. you have to put it in the kiln Yep. set, right? Yep. It is, it is like made hard in there so that it is unbreakable. And so I think about the, the scripture that you mentioned and how God sets these mm-hmm. desires in our hearts. They are set, they are hardened.
1: Yeah. Um, and
2: I think that that's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when we align ourselves with God, yeah. his desires are set. With
0: our desires, so, mm. oh, so I good. love this <laughs> conversation so much. Okay, wait, kind of very similar to the conversation that we're having, but from a different angle. We get this a uh, question a lot. Me and Evie are pretty vocal about our faith, like just in our businesses in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, w- I just want to ask you the question that we kind of get asked a lot: is how do you balance being a Christian business owner in a typical secular world of entrepreneurship? Like how do you incorporate, like do you incorporate your faith into your business's brands or is it just you personally? Like, or do you keep it completely separate from your companies? Just how do you navigate that? So I think it it depends. So there, you know, there's a
2: scripture. um, Gosh, I can't remember the book exactly, but it, it talks about being all things to all people. And I think that some folks, there are some folks that, have businesses where it's all, everything is Jesus. It's, it's very vocal, um, which, is all, which is fine, you know? And then you have other businesses that um, function as like the hands and feet of Jesus or the heart of Jesus. And their ethos is very much driven by who God is. And so I think that for either entrepreneur, I don't think any way is right or wrong, but if you are a Christian, and if you're a believer, period, your, like everything in your life needs to revolve around what you believe. Mm -hmm. If I am walking down the street and every day I see you pass by somebody who is, who is poor or who doesn't have much, who is needy and you turn your back on them every day, what does that say to me about you? Mm -hmm. Right. Does that, does that for me say I'm a believer of God in that God commands us to take care of or mm-hmm. Does it, when I see you turning your back every day on this particular person, what does that mean? Or do, does, you know, you not having a great customer service or your customer service representatives are all haughty and mean and just angry and all of these different things. How can you let Christ speak through every area of your business? Um, it's a struggle. It's not easy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a challenge. If if you're vocal about your faith, I think it takes a special kind of boldness, but a boldness that is not without reach. Mm -hmm. If it is boldness that you want, God will give you the boldness. And I think you come to a place where you realize there is no money that um, can be given to me where I will deny who, who, has given me power, right? I w- There's no amount of money that means that I will not talk about my God. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a journey for every entrepreneur. It's not, you know, some people don't, you know, get saved one day and then just hop in and change everything about their business. It is a journey. It is a race. Um, and so balancing it, it doesn't necessarily feel like that much of a balance. So some of my brands have it very much where it's a, it's, it's a faith thing. It's You can see it. And then I have a couple other businesses that don't the the ethos of service, the ethos of the heart of God, the hands of God, um, you, you might find in the business. And then there are others that I'm still working on transitioning. So I think it it really goes, goes back to what it is that you want for your own businesses. Um, and then asking God to show you areas that you can improve and add in things that are more, you know, Christ-like,
1: you know?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so good Mm, thank you for answering that (laughs) Oh, of course i love it i would love zim as we're kind of like considering just as a believer in in the marketplace in a world where the definition of success is all over the board and it's just all over the place you know for some people it's having a big house and and fancy cars for others it's you know happiness, whatever that means. You know, it's, there's just so many different definitions of it. And I think we as humans are constantly trying to chase, you know, what we think is going to bring us a lot of peace and joy and rest and identity and all of that. What would your advice be to the entrepreneur or just the human who is listening to this right now, who is struggling with putting their identity in their success or in their work or in their business how do you root your identity in the Lord? Obviously, that's like the concept of your book, but do you have like some some tangible like thoughts or takeaways or tools or advice for the person listening who's like, okay, I want to feel secure in everything that I'm doing, that I know who I am. What advice would you give to that person listening? Yeah, Um, So this was what I had realized the
2: day that I decided to sell Travel Noir. I was at this conference, there were 30,000 worshipers and there was a a preacher that was ministering and he was, as he put it, consecrated to basketball. Um, His name is Victor Jackson. He was consecrated to basketball and he talked about success and what success looks like in the world. Success looks like more money, more cars, bigger houses, like all of the things but success in the Bible is sacrifice. It is constantly um, not being tied to those things. So you think about Abraham, right? Abraham had this promise and Abraham was rich. Abraham had, you know, he had all, yeah. all the animals. He, You know, he had his <laughs> money. Yeah. Um, But God had called him to greater and it required sacrifice. But think about it. Had Abraham not sacrificed, there would not be the promise of nations upon nations. Right. So his decision affected generations. So when we think about our own lives and success, success is sacrifice. And it means constantly saying, God, okay, this don't make sense to me, but all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the antithesis of what this world is because you have called me here to do that. And it means being untied to the very things that society tells us are successful. So you don't, you didn't make a million dollars this year. Does that mean that you're not successful? And what is your definition of success? Does that mean that you can go to the grocery store and not look at any food labels or like, or uh, food prices, or what does that definition of success mean to you Mm -hmm. and divorce yourself from that? I think that the, we're so tied to the concepts of, of success, myself included. And I have to constantly remind myself that the people that are deemed successful in the Bible, they were uncomfortable,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? The, the heroes of the faith, they all did things that they were like, what? You know, here's the interesting thing. Moses, um, as you know, uh, has said that he was slow of speech. He was a stutterer, Yeah, right? He couldn't you know, God, I just, I can't do this thing. I can't say this thing. I can't, you know, I just, I don't know, God. If you look in the New Testament, I can't remember the scripture um, that it was in. I should know this, but it remembers Moses as being strong with speech. Wow. Strong with speech. So you're looking at a person, you're looking at Moses who thought of himself, not highly, but the Bible remembers him greatly. And so you think about the sacrifice that he had to make, where he said, God, I'm not comfortable doing this, but I will make the sacrifice because you have told me that you will give me your words. Yeah. And so as we're you know, thinking about success for our year, for 2021, remember what success really means. Biblical success, not worldly success. Yeah. If you don't make the numbers, fine, you're still blessed. You have a family, you have friends that love you. You have people that care for you. You are, ri- are rich. You are wise. You are rich. And so um, th- that's my like kind of takeaway for, for all of us, myself included, as we think about what success in 2021 and even a decade from now for the rest of our lives, for generations, what that mm. will look like.
0: Mm. Wow. I, love I literally that. could listen to you talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just love what you said about like divorcing yourself from the things that the world deems successful and really like yeah. going to God and being like, what is what is your dream and goal for my life? And like, I want to pursue that and I don't want to pursue worldly success because at yeah. the end of the day, like the, the, if you just go down that road, like you're going to crash and burn. You're going to feel alone. You're going to feel anxiety like without the Lord it's, it's just going to happen. So Mm -hmm. I, I cannot just, Zim, you are an incredible woman. (laughs) Um, Our next question feels like so inconsequential compared to everything that you just said on this podcast. Um, But we like to ask it at the end of an interview. And it's what, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in business? The biggest lesson that
2: I have learned in business Gosh, you know what? I have to go back to um, to the scripture that I think it's. I have to find it, but it's the scripture where um, God. Solomon asked God for wisdom, and the reason that I say that that is the most important lesson is that you know a lot of people will think that financial metrics are the biggest metric of success. But if you are making a ton of money and you're not wise with it, oof, yeah. that money will disappear real quick. Yep. Right? Like if you don't know how to manage people, but you have a ton of money, mm-hmm. those people will leave like the plague. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. And so the biggest lesson for me is, is asking God for wisdom and knowing that everything else will follow. Everything yep. else will follow after that. Um, and so I think it's something that people don't do often. The Bible says a fool is even considered wise if he closes his mouth. So there is, <laughs> so, there is so much um, there is so much there as it relates to wisdom and being um, and, and desiring to hear more and desiring to understand than to speak. Yeah. And so if we get that right in business, I think that there are so many benefits that will follow. Mm.
1: Oh, and Love that. can we just admit that there is literally nothing that will ever compare to having the Holy Spirit as like your co-CEO, yes. like the Go wisdom on. that God brings yeah. to business, Amen. to like the strategies and, you know, what step to take and what yeah. move to make and how to, you know, like there is nothing yeah. that yeah. compares. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Asking God for that wisdom is like the smartest thing you can do as a business yeah. owner. 100%. Love that answer. I love it. Okay, Zim, for anyone who is now as obsessed with you as Lindsay and I, who oh is ready to be your best friend for life and follow along on everything and devour your book and all the good stuff, where can people find you, find your companies, read your book, follow along yeah. on your life, your journey, all of it?
2: Okay. So for um, social, it's Zimism, Z-I-M-I-S-M across all channels. Um <coughs> For Dare to Bloom, the website is daretobloombook.com, but you can find it on Amazon or if you go to the website, you can find, um, you can find indie bookstores if you want to support local. So that's also a Love thing. <coughs> Sorry, my throat is tickling me. You are good. <laughs> um, and then for my, um, website, which has kind of all of the happenings, it's zimism.com, Z-I-M-I-S-M.com. Um, I'm putting together a guide um, called Rest From Anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it is a guide that is uh, it's for travel. So people who want to be able to go somewhere close, but still feel like they need to either have a restful workation or a Sabbath. It's kind of like my favorite Like places and things to do and places to stay and all those good things. And that's um, restfromanywhere.com. So, kind of like work from anywhere, but rest from anywhere. Love Um, that. It pulls in some biblical principles around rest and Sabbath and um, all of those good things. And then I have a podcast called the Bloom Podcast, and that can be found on. Anywhere you can hear podcasts. So. <laughs>
0: Perfect. <laughs> Wilson, awesome. thank you so much for talking to us. My heart is full today. I'm ready to just go like leap in, out of joy. I don't know. You just like filled my heart. I know every listener who just got done listening to this is going to be so excited. And just you just filled everyone with so much encouragement. So thank you for sharing your heart today.
2: Of course. Of an honor.